This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with fellow app nerds, John Beeler, Graham Williams. We have an amazing program uh, today. I think uh, many of us many of us have uh, used some of the uh, food delivery apps uh, during the pandemic here and continue to use them like Skip the Dishes or Uber Eats. We'll be talking with one restaurateur. His uh, name is uh, Brandon Grossodi. Uh, he is the man behind Pigeon Restaurant in Gastown. He is working on a new delivery app that is restaurant friendly. Uh, you know, most people know that uh, these restaurant delivery apps uh, are charging anywhere from 10 to 30% commission on each order, which is is really hard on uh, a lot of uh, these uh, restaurants that struggle to uh, maintain profits of even like four or five points uh, on uh, every order. So uh, we're going to be chatting with him about the state of the restaurant industry when it comes to technology and his new From To app, which uh, is fascinating. Guys, some interesting uh, stories this week. I think uh, the big one for me, Microsoft Solitaire, it's turning 30 years old this week. Do you remember that Windows 3.0 back in 1990? This is when it first appeared. I remember the first time I beat Solitaire. It was a better day. <laughs> and having the cards kind of jump out yep. uh, at you. Because uh, Up until that point, I didn't think it was beatable. I figured there was a bug in it. And then it turns out I'm just really bad at the game. <laughs> How are you at it now? Uh, you know what? I get the bouncing cards a lot. So it's it's good. I, I feel good about my Solitaire game. Do you know many people play this uh, a day? I'm going to say upwards of 30 million. Sorry. 35 million still play this. Yeah. With, that, with know, more than 100 million hands played daily around the world. So really what we need to do is we actually need to preach the good word of uh, Microsoft Space Cadet Pinball to these people because it is a far superior game. Oh, yeah, pinball that, people. that's a lot of office workers playing uh, solitaire though. It, it truly is. It truly is. I remember that's when I first started playing. It was when I was when I got my first Windows machine at, at work, and I'm like, cool, it comes with a game. They didn't know how to remove it at the time. <laughs> so Windows Solitaire has been shipped on more than a billion, a billion PCs, computers around the world, and it only stopped being a dedicated part of Windows uh, back on Windows Eight in 2012. When they, then they went and add, added ads into it as well, which I think was probably a bit of a step back. <laughs> oh, my God. You know what? After after this show, I'm going to go back and play Windows Solitaire. I, I miss my, it. There's your productivity burn for the day. I, I think so. Also, uh, in the news here on the app show uh, today, did you see the story uh, about the Audi driver? So, obviously, sports have been kind of... Uh, well, canceled <laughs> during the pandemic here. But uh, some sporting leagues, uh, including the racing leagues like NASCAR and uh, Formula E, uh, they have uh, gone online uh, with uh, racing sim series, uh, which I think is amazing. But uh, Audi has dropped their driver, Daniel Apt, uh, in the all-electric racing series, Formula E, after he had someone else race for him during a virtual competition on the weekend. This was pretty amazing because he actually had someone dressed like him and show up on a Zoom call to verify his authenticity of actually running the race. It wasn't even him. He found another driver, uh, an up-and-coming driver, who could could easily win the series. Uh, And that's when things started to fall apart because apparently he's not a very good virtual driver just a very good real driver and people notice like hey this isn't the same style and this this guy's coming out of nowhere so either he's practiced a lot or he's 
doing something to to game the system and uh and this has real world implications you know he, he's been suspended from the team um the the person that was also involved the the ringer he's been dropped from the the league as well and so these are two two unemployed people now uh, had a pretty cushy job and you know they only had one job <laughs> that was to play a video game uh and now they have no job yeah, it's. I don't know why he would think he would get away with this. So uh, he uh, actually got 18-year-old Lorenz uh, Horzing, uh, who actually, like you said, competes in the sim racer section of the Formula E events. Uh, and so they actually have these these drivers when they're doing the, these e-sims on on a Zoom call. Uh, but he had someone dress up uh, in Audi red. And if you if you go online and look at the picture. Uh, you know, of him during the Zoom call, the microphone completely blocks out his face. <laughs> so you can't even see who it is. But uh you know, I wonder who you know how many other people try to get away with this. Well and the thing that gets me is that the way that they tracked him down was they looked at the IP addresses. Did no one teach these guys how the internet works? No. <laughs> no. It's a, I, I mean I, I admire the effort that was put in, but this really feels like you know, some high high school kids copying each other's homework. Yeah. Try pretty, harder next time, guys. Pretty much. Uh do you guys have tile trackers? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think I've got a couple. Um, I keep getting reminders. I keep getting reminders on my iPhone to turn them on <laughs> or turn the tracking on. Uh, Skull Candy, you know the guys that make the earbuds and headphones. Yeah, uh, their new wireless earbuds actually have built-in tile tracking. Nice. So if you lose them, theoretically, uh, you can track them down again. And that's the cool thing is each earbud has its own tile tracker. So you effectively have two, two tile trackers that you can then track. Because um, I know everyone's been wanting this kind of functionality with like their AirPods. Because yes. things go missing all the time. Yes. Uh, so it's really cool that Tile partnered with Skullcandy to offer that functionality. And I think like Graham, I think you mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we were starting to talk about um, some some computers that are going to have Tile built in. This just ups the game as far as everyone having this big bigger network of uh tile on their own systems looking for other people's stuff so yeah. it's it's going to be a win-win and and hopefully you're going to find some some lost headphones it, it's interesting because i mean obviously with apple getting into the space or at least we're hearing that they're getting into the space i think tile has had to really say okay we're going to have to double down on this um i know for myself like i've got the i've got the wallet tracker i've got the mommy keys uh, i've got the little stickers on things um it's a fairly decent network so if apple is getting into this place they're going to have to bring something pretty heavy in order for me to want to jump ship well i think they're obviously going to build it right into whatever hardware and accessories that they're coming uh, out with but uh will that start another kind of um ecosystem race you know what i mean like as far as tracking uh, will Google come out with their own tracking system or, you know, is Tile going to be around in five years is my no, question. I, I mean, I, I, if, I, if I was Apple, I would look at this the same way I looked at FaceTime when they originally brought it out and say, you know what, why don't we go with a standard that can be interoperable and we don't have to worry about having three different networks at this point. That would be the best thing for consumers. So, uh, Tim Cook, I know you're listening. We're going to have to take a break, but uh, we have a fascinating show today. We're going to be talking about a new app under development that will hope to compete against some of the big guys like Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats. And 
basically be better for restaurants, not charging the big 20 or 30% uh, commissions uh, on orders that are hurting a lot of these restaurateurs. Uh, we'll be talking with a local guy here out of Vancouver. His name is Brandon Grossuti. He owns Pigeon Restaurant, fantastic restaurant in Gastown, if you've ever had a chance to, to check that out. And uh, we'll chat with him about uh, you know what made him start uh, getting into this app development, uh, where they're at, and uh, just the overall state of the restaurant industry and, and how technology has uh, transformed it and is transforming it uh, even faster during the pandemic. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back after this. You're back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Let's talk about food delivery services uh, once more. It's been uh, an ongoing topic on this program. Uh, Obviously, a lot of restaurants during the pandemic have had to use this to literally survive. But at what cost? Uh, They are charging enormous uh, commissions on uh, the food deliveries, anywhere from 10 to 30%, which for most restaurants is a losing proposition. Well, one enterprising restaurateur down in the U.S. uh, found a way to fight back. We've uh, got a great guest on the line. His name is Ron John Roy, and uh, he is uh, out of New York City. He's a former trader with a stint at Bank of America before jumping over to the world of journalism, working at the Financial Times. Now he runs his own newsletter called Margins uh, out of New York City. Thanks for joining us, Ron John. Great to be here. Uh, I loved this story. This kind of blew up on the uh, the internet, basically uh, about uh, this pizza guy uh, down in uh, uh, Kansas uh, that uh, basically found a way to game the system uh, using one of the delivery services down there. Uh, I believe it was DoorDash, correct? It was DoorDash, yes. Yes, I think we have that up in your in Canada. I think more people are probably familiar with Skip the Dishes up here. So, what did? Uh, this gentleman do i believe the name of the place was was aj's new york pizzeria uh yes aj's new york pizza so what happened was my friend adam had uh, who runs these out of kansas he let me know that he started getting complaints at his restaurant about bad pizza deliveries cold pizzas the wrong pizzas were ordered and the weird part was he did not have delivery as part of his restaurant service um, so we started looking into it. It turned out there was this company, DoorDash, had somehow on his Google listing added a button that said order for delivery. On his Google so, listing? On his Google listing. If you Googled AJ's NY Pizzeria in Kansas, there'd be a big blue button that said order delivery. Now, DoorDash, so I cover the tech industry. I was very familiar. They just raised a $400 million round from investors like SoftBank. They're very kind of known and buzzy in that world, but I hadn't actually dealt with them directly very often, but it turned out somehow they had already listed his restaurant without any knowledge of his. And we started Googling around and apparently this was a common complaint among restaurants where this kind of thing would happen. Was that necessarily a bad thing for, uh, I guess his name is AJ. Was that a bad thing for him? Like another revenue stream? Yeah. So this is exactly DoorDash. It turns out they call these demand tests. The idea is they go into a new market, put all the restaurants on the website, on Google, kind of scrape their websites using automated bots and then just start delivery. And then they can go to the restaurant a month or two later and with a check in hand and say, look how much business we brought you. So that's definitely the idea to kind of sell restaurants before they even know what's going on. Why was he getting complaints about cold pizzas? Was he were they delivering cold pizzas? 
Yeah. So, so this is actually one of the kind of intricacies of the whole thing. Pizza seems simple. Everyone delivers it has, has delivered it for decades, but you need the right bag to keep the pizza hot. A DoorDash driver, they're delivering sushi and Chinese food or whatever uh, any restaurant needs. So they don't actually have specific equipment specialized for pizza like a Domino's or uh, Boston pizza, if I'm familiar with, uh, would as well. So, so that's how you get to cold pizza. They're not familiar with the menus either. So they might deliver the wrong pizza to the wrong address. There's just all these kind of issues that arise that the restaurant has no control over. And so then obviously the customers are mad at AJ, the pizza, the pizza man. They're calling in They're His employees are taking time answering these phones. So he's mad about this to begin with. But he gets even madder when he sees a pizza that he's selling for $24 is listed at $16. Whoa, whoa. Okay. So on his menu, it's 24 bucks. And why? how yeah. is it listed at 16 So, So he thinks this is some weird trick where DoorDash is discounting his pizzas to get more customers so they could just, just do something the same way Uber and all these services discount heavily. But working in media and journalism, I've seen how web scraping works. And basically you could see right on the menu, the prices were a few columns off. Oh my God. Everything that was $24. And again, this stuff is all automated. And I knew I'd read about how DoorDash operates like this. And it's, it was clear that they just, whatever script had been written using some bot had just scraped the wrong price. So they were being listed at $16, but he charges 24. Yes. So, but, okay, so DoorDash gets a bunch of orders for these $16 pizzas, but that's got to reconcile when that DoorDash guy goes to the restaurant to get them, right? So this is where it got interesting. This was where, um, coming from a background in trading on Wall Street, there's something called arbitrage, which is this magical concept that you can basically buy and sell an asset at the same time and get a risk-free profit. Um, And it's kind of this concept that doesn't really exist, but traders are always searching for. And instantly I look at that and I ask them, why don't you just buy those pizzas at $16 and have them pay you $24? And this seems like this would be a great idea. His initial reaction was, this is stupid because no company would ever do that. (laughs) I mean, why would like, he runs three locations. They watch every penny, he's a small business owner. To him, the idea that this could happen was so ridiculous that it, we almost did this first test kind of as a challenge to each other. Because I was trying to tell him, companies like this that have raised hundreds of millions of dollars or worth billions of dollars, they don't care about this stuff. You know, they're just trying to grow as fast as possible. So if they're losing some money in here, if that automated technology that got the wrong price, they're okay taking a little hit here and there. They're just trying to grow as fast as possible. So people uh, go up and they order because uh, DoorDash has somehow stuck a button on his Google listing. And yeah. they think the pizza, well, the pizza's listed at 16 bucks. They order it. And then the delivery guy, he goes, the DoorDash guy goes to your buddy's restaurant. But your buddy's like, hey, that's 24 bucks. And so again, I'm just, I can't fathom this. There's no, yeah. <laughs> no one's rec- reconciling yeah, the, the fact the that- The DoorDash driver has a credit card from DoorDash, swipes it and pays the $24. But clearly there is a disconnect because the original order is coming from some call center somewhere 
that DoorDash owns. So that person doesn't really know what's going on. And then the driver doesn't care. They're just trying to pick up the pizza. the pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Just swipe it. They're not even looking at the receipt. So in that disconnect, that's actually where we were kind of curious, would this come up quickly? Would this happen? I mean, would someone notice this? How many? <laughs> so how many pizzas did, did he, he sell at this I, new I, price? So, so, so we just, we did this just a few times as a test. We, uh, so the first time in, in the post I'd written, kind of walked through the math. Basically, we're like, all right, you know, technically, if you buy the pizza at $16, sell it at $24, he's still paying $7 or so, $6.50 in food costs and something like that. So this isn't that interesting. Like, no. you can donate the pizzas, which is nice. But again, you know, this isn't a ton of money. Is this just a waste of time? So, so then the idea was hatched. Should we just put dough in the box? <laughs> so there, it feels like there's pizza, but there's no ingredient cost. Got it. Because you're sending them to your friend. He's sending it to his friend's house anyway. Yeah, he's, he's just sending his friend's house. We're just seeing if these transactions kind of go through. Yeah. So then we did the dough once just to see if it would work. It did. Um, we kind of, we, we were joking around and we're like, you know, should we start doing empty boxes? Where could this go? But then I get, both of us had to get back to normal work and yeah. uh, try to try to get back to normal life. We've been talking with Ranjan Roy all about uh, how they fooled DoorDash, one of the uh, big delivery services down in the U.S. If you want to hear the full interview, and uh, we actually talked with him for about 25 minutes, uh, it's a, a fascinating story. Uh, visit our website uh, and uh, check it out, uh, www.getconnectedmedia.com. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking with Brandon Grossuti. He is the man behind the Pigeon Restaurant in Gastown. He is developing a new food delivery app called from two that uh, he hopes will help restaurants uh, compete against the the big guys like skip the dishes and uber eats back after this you're back with the app show mike Eggerbo here with john beeler we've talked a lot about the food delivery services on the shows over the past uh, few weeks uh, you know big ones would be uh, skip the dishes uber eats and we've talked about the huge commission fees they've charged as well which i uh, imagine for many restaurants uh is a huge uh, necessary burden slash evil. Uh, well, there's uh, a new delivery service uh, in town, and this is uh, actually uh, the brainchild of a local restaurateur, the man behind Pigeon. His name is Brandon Grossuti. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, guys. So I found this interesting. Uh, you know, I've, I've got a few friends in the restaurant business as well, but before we get to From Two, uh, your brainchild for a, a new type of delivery app, let's just kind of set the scene uh, again. You know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, can't go into restaurants. They're slowly opening up now, but you were relying, uh, you know, a lot on these delivery services. Can you actually make a living when they take 20 or 30% commission on, on the, the food fees? I think in, in standard brick and mortar kind of sit down restaurants, I think the math is next to impossible. You know, over time we've, we've, our industry was already, you know, reeling from some issues around affordability. And I think a lot of the same crunches that we see in, you know, cost of living across the country has also impacted restaurants a great deal. So prior to COVID, brick and mortar restaurants were having a hard time surviving as is, you know, very slim margins. Those that are those that are doing really well are in the the 4% range of profit. And um, when you then have to basically stop everything that you're doing and switch your entire model uh, to a takeout model and delivery model, 
year now, those those margins completely disappear. So for pretty much everything going out the door, you're you're sitting at a loss. So we we started on this when we started seeing some of our Chinese restaurant friends in like Richmond and in different communities having having problems in January. So you know they've been hit especially hard at the beginning of this and prior to COVID even being in the country. A lot of uh, patrons and customers were nervous in going to to restaurants. And so we saw it. So I started signing these contracts uh, and started looking at it as just a backup plan, just in case, uh, so that we were ready to go. And I knew that they were expensive, but it was I, I didn't realize just how prohibitive and how parasitic the relationship was. So when we switched over and, you know, we closed on the 16th uh, of March and we were live on the 16th um, with a couple different apps. Uh, ranging between 20 and 30 percent commissions off gross, and immediately we saw that you know, uh, you know, obviously we're down in business because our model wasn't set up for for takeout and delivery, and we were immediately down you know 85, 80 percent, and then of that, what's left of that? So let's say optimistically 20 percent of our business. Now 20% of our business with all of the fixed costs is now getting nailed on a variable cost of 20 to 30%. You know. 30% gone of 20%, you're just like, oh my God, uh, how are we going to make this work? So even in the point of the contract portion, that's when we started looking at maybe there's a way that restaurants could perhaps cooperatively work together, or we could work together in totality to, to create a different paradigm here. So that leads us into from to explain uh, to our listeners uh, what it's all about and how it works. Yeah, so from two um, started out with me. Literally, I, I have a background in software. I used to build architecture, mostly on trading and exchanges uh, worldwide. So like high volume, high throughput systems. And I love to geek out and, and love to do architecture. So I started to spike it out and, you know, got about you know quarter million lines in with some of the stacks that I'd worked with before and some of the architectures that I'd worked with before. Uh, but realized very quickly that I needed some partnerships. And so I partnered with uh, two separate companies and we've created from two out of that. Uh, One of which did logistics worldwide uh, on the delivery side and has the app system set up and all of that infrastructure. And then the other that is good at front ends, which has always been my absolute weakness. So the way that the costing model works, the fee structure uh, from two isn't about making money in this time whatsoever. And so we're, we're trying to provide everything at cost. So the driver network is the same as normal. Drivers get paid, they get tipped via the customer. And the restaurant then has the ability to subsidize the driver fee. So let's say on an average drive or $6 or $6.50 worth of a fee, they can choose to then say, you know what, we'll, we'll either subsidize that or not subsidize that. We'll give that directly to the customer where they'll charge be charged $6.50 for that delivery, or they'll subsidize it to either a dollar amount or a percentage based on the value. Right now, all of those things are obfuscated by these platforms. They don't have control. They're not in charge of, of their customer. They're not in charge of the fees or how those fees are allocated or shared. It's just done via algorithms and the restaurant loses the control and the contact with its customer. So we want to remove that relationship, get the customers back in touch with the restaurants and make it all at cost. The flow through is basically the, the restaurant is either paying for its subsidy and also paying for the credit card transaction fees uh, at cost from our providers. So it's, um, it's a flow through model. And um, you know the, the whole aim of this is we know that 
especially on the independent restaurant side, we're struggling to a great extent. And it's existential for many of my colleagues and friends that I've known for years. And this was an opportunity to, to apply a skill set and, and maybe some opportunity to really, you know, basically create an extended hackathon to, to get this out. You know, I'm, I'm really proud to say that, like, you know, with, with these partners and, and with what I've done and a lot of people helping and from all over the world, you know, in six weeks, we made an end-to-end logistics and e-commerce system. You know, it's viable. It works all the way through. So it's amazing what you do out of desperation and, and what you do to when you see so many people around you hurting. Yeah, it's uh, it's the least we can do. So, you know, we want to get this. The plan here in Vancouver is to, to get into geographical regions like neighborhood by neighborhood, restaurant by restaurant, kind of in pods of five. And then... Once we've got that handled, then we get a little bit wider of more restaurants in each neighborhood. Um, and then hopefully by that point, handling most of Vancouver. Uh, and then we have our plans for the rest of, um, of Canada shortly thereafter, because if we can show capacity and network, we can do it. We're talking with uh, Brandon Grossuti. He is the restaurateur behind uh, the very successful Vancouver Asian slash French fusion restaurant called Pigeon. Uh, in Gastown, he has uh, developed a new delivery platform called From Two to compete against uh, the the big guys, the skip the dishes, uh, the Uber uh, eats. We are going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue to talk with Brandon Grassuti from Pigeon about uh, his new From Two app and uh, find out if he will be able to survive. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are talking with Brandon Grassuti. He is the restaurateur behind Pigeon and a new upcoming app called From Two that uh, he's designing to be more favorable uh, for restaurants when it comes to food delivery. Basically, uh, just passing the costs along and not uh, ripping them off with uh, high commission fees. Brandon, uh, it's very interesting to me because uh, you know I've I've looked at Skip the Dishes and, and Uber Eats and the crazy amounts of commission they have to charge uh, to the restaurant folks. I just wonder how sustainable is that in in the long term? Like a lot of these guys aren't even making money, uh, and they're charging these high commission fees. Like, uh, will they be around in uh, in a few years? I mean. You can't bankrupt, uh, you know, all these restaurants with these these high commissions. Uh, you know, you, you got to think that you know apps like yours, and there must be other ones being, um, you know, yeah, developed as well. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny. I, I, I every single time I look at a business model, um, generally speaking, you know, where you're making your money from is usually um, what your customer is, and that that relationship is is actually. Uh, symbiotic and one helps the other survive and one maybe makes the other more successful. And that's what that service is. I think what the weird paradigm and the weird way that Uber and Uber eats, et cetera, a lot of these systems are set up is it's, it's slightly a little bit more parasitic where, you know, the restaurant, the model for even these companies, which have lost hundreds of millions of dollars setting this up in customer acquisition and trying to steal the customer from the restaurant and make them the in-between of these two things. You know, they've, they've spent massive amounts of money for acquisition. And then the restaurants are failing as a result as well. And even, and, and both sides are now losing money. So you get to this thing where it's truly, it's not a symbiotic relationship, it's truly parasitic, where, you know, to the point that the parasite kills the host and kills the restaurant. So how sustainable is that? And I think, I think one of the wonderful things that you're seeing out of 
one of the wonderful things that you're seeing out of this pandemic in a weird way is people are starting to reevaluate our economic systems, the way we take care of ourselves, our families, our neighbors, our local restaurants, our local suppliers. And I have some hope that, you know, we, we have the ability to maybe look at, look at the world a little bit differently and, and work at the way that we create a more sustainable society. And, uh, and this is just a small microcosm in the one in which I live in, but um, it, is, uh, it is important to look at this differently. Uh, Brandon, I, uh, I want to dig into your brain here right now and just kind of look at this from a, a bigger picture perspective. Could this be maybe a sign of a transformation or an evolution of the restaurant business ov- overall? When I, I look at digital, like music, for example, you know, we had records and tapes and CDs, and then all of a sudden digital came along and just completely wiped out physical media and you know obviously a lot of people were concerned about all those people that were working in that side but it it just changed because technology changed and are we looking at maybe something similar for restaurants are are we looking at more of these ghost kitchens that don't even have a a brick and mortar place they're just you know underground in these warehouses making the food like is this just something that is going to happen because you know as a society and technology things have changed in North America, I would say we're a little bit behind in that way. You do see that in East Asia, Central and South America more so. Takeout and delivery is more pervasive than, than eating in a restaurant. I, I, I have mixed feelings about ghost kitchens, uh, very mixed feelings, because those ghost kitchens, they, you know, the, these big platforms have spent millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars looking at creating warehouses of your recipes made by their people and you get a royalty on your intellectual property and brand. If you make your own ghost kitchen, then it's like, are you at scale enough to make that work? Can you compete? Can you get low enough? And then it gets away from some of these local things and the way that we provide with local farms and, and all that. Going back to the original part of that, I think um, I think technology, this has forced restaurant industry to look at things very differently, very quickly. We've had to evolve and think on a 15-year scale of things that we were seeing and trends and moving and, you know, it was like, this is going to get here eventually. And we've compressed that into two months. And I think dining changes. I've seen it in my restaurant, especially with kind of like uh, mainland China uh, clientele that are more interested, not necessarily in the ambiance or the, the, the restaurant itself or the service or the explanation of service. They would probably be very happy to consume what I have via ordering on their phone and maybe having a QSR at their table and creating a, a pre-auth limit on their meal and then just say, yeah, I feel like another one of those, bing. And then they split, they don't even want to talk. And so, or it might be, maybe might not be able to talk because, you know, language barriers, etc. So, and then to split bill with their friends, they send each other a QR code and Bob's your uncle. I think things are going to change fundamentally. The math was broken from a long time ago. We have to look at things differently. We have to look at the way that we treat our back of house employees, the way that we do chip sharing in, inside the restaurant, how we do living wage, how we do health benefits and extended benefits. We have a really cool opportunity here to rewrite everything so that it isn't kind of a surf society that we've created inside of restaurants and always said that it's economically unviable to, to do X, Y, or Z. Right now, we could change the entire way that this is done, where the, unfortunately it's gonna cost more, like it will cost the consumer more, but technology might be able to help in some of those issues. 
you know, there's, there's ways in which we can, we can expedite and create speed in places so that we can pay people better in other ways. In everything, there's an opportunity, but I, but I do fear that that opportunity is going to present itself because there's going to be that much more, less of us. We're talking uh, with Brandon Grossuti. He is uh, the man behind uh, the successful uh, Pigeon Restaurant in Vancouver. He's developed a new delivery app, a more sustainable one that uh, works uh, for restaurants from two. And hopefully we'll see that uh, rolling out to many, many more neighborhoods and cities across Canada. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. If you want to hear more from Brandon Grossuti, we actually talked to him for a good half an hour, and we have the full interview up on our website at getconnectedmedia.com. Same with the last segment uh, where we were talking uh, uh, with Ranjan Roy about uh, DoorDash and Pizza Arbitrage, uh, where him and his buddy were actually able to, uh, I guess, fool DoorDash and just show the weakness inherent in a lot of these food delivery services uh, out there and and literally how many billions of dollars uh, that they are losing and potentially destroying the very hosts, the restaurants that they need to grow their business. Again, uh, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got the full interviews uh, up there if you want to uh, check them out. And I I truly encourage uh, that you do. Don't forget to hit our website on a regular basis, uh, getconnectedmedia.com. We've got all sorts of great uh, how-to articles up there, product reviews, and of course, course uh, all of our radio shows podcasts and even video podcasts Uh, so if you want to see us uh, live on uh, video you can uh, also uh, check that out when we come back from the break more apps to talk about here on the app show back after this you are back with the app show mike graham and john here don't forget to visit our website. Uh, It's getconnectedmedia.com we've got so much content up there all sorts of uh, new tech Uh, articles and how-tos every day, plus uh, tons of videos. You can also listen to our podcasts, uh, audio and video, so you can uh, see us and our guests uh, in, uh, you know, glorious color. And uh, again, getconnectedmedia.com. You can also subscribe to our newsletter. And this is a cool thing, and I'll tell you why. Uh, It comes out weekly, so we're always uh, basically reminding you of all the cool things coming up on the weekend's shows, not only the app show, but uh, the Get Connected show as well. And if you subscribe, you're entered to win our monthly contest. We're giving away literally thousands of dollars in tech prizes this year, so once you subscribe, you're entered to win any of those uh, those prizes that we're giving away. This uh, week, it's the Belkin wireless charger. If you've got any new smartphone that has wireless charging capabilities, this is a must-have. Again, the Belkin wireless charger. Just go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Hit uh, the newsletter tab, subscribe, and you are entered to win. I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together. Obviously, John and Graham, and also uh, the folks back at the ranch, uh, Christina, AJ, Paul, Nigel, and Stephen. And Ged, one of our new team members. That's all the time we have left for the show. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.